Welcome to the Deskbound Therapy Podcast, hosted by David London. David is a posture and mobility expert, yoga teacher, and certified online trainer. This podcast is about empowering deskbound professionals, how to live their healthiest life, and move pain-free. Now, let's dive into this episode. My favorite quote is, everybody is identical in their secret unspoken belief that way deep down, they're different from everyone else. That's by David Foster Wallace. I love that quote. Super excited to have you here today, John. Been trying to get you on the podcast for the longest time. You're definitely someone who I looked up to who's helped my career as a trainer, both in person and online. So I'm super excited to have you here for episode 32 of the Deskbound Therapy Podcast. So for those of you who don't know, John's the founder of the Personal Trainer Development Center, which is one of the top online resources in the world for you know fitness professionals or even just people who want to learn about fitness and just want to make better workouts for themselves. He's also launched best-selling books, Ignite the Fire, and his website has over 5 million visitors a year. So super pumped about having you here. Is there anything else the listeners should know about you before we dive into it? I'm uh, there's probably a lot more that uh, that they could know about me I think the only thing that people might be interested in that's that's maybe a little bit different is we've grown the company while well I've been living largely remote uh, my wife and I and, and now my son have spent four to six months out of the country every year for the last seven years uh, so we've been able to grow you know a, a reasonably medium to big business uh, while also living a pretty cool life and exploring the world which is uh, I'm pretty proud of yeah, it's pretty interesting how you've been able to seamlessly integrate fitness into your lifestyle because a lot of people, especially being hit with the quarantine, their fitness was affected where you've always been kind of training on the go, doing, you know, simple workouts. And I know when you traveled, you've had different trainers. Mm-hmm. Trainers, but not just trainers, like just finding areas to work out. For example, we lived in an off the grid eco home three hours up the coast in Uruguay for two months at one point a few years ago. And like there's no personal trainers there. There's no gyms anywhere close. This was a town called Punta del Diablo, like near the Brazilian border up north. And we found there was a lifeguard tower. There were no lifeguards, but there was a lifeguard tower that had a chin-up bar. And we just found it on the beach one day. So that was our workout for two months, right? Was working out by that lifeguard tower with the chin-up bar. And we later found, because we, we'd go there at night, and basically the the army actually... Uh, uh, the army actually saved us one night while we were on horseback getting lost in pitch black. That's a whole nother story. But, um, but we found out that the army actually set that up as like a workout area that was stationed there because it was so far in the middle of nowhere. And that practice of continually setting up, this is, you know, we talk about simplicity. It's in business, it's in life, it's in fitness, it's in everything. This, this practice of continually stopping and starting and setting up a new forces you to consistently re just just reassess your priorities reassess what matters i mean we finally moved into a house this year and i had to buy every spoon i had to buy every fork i own three t-shirts because every single year at least twice a year usually much more than that i've packed up everything i had into into a backpack into a suitcase into whatever it is and it's the same thing with fitness you go to a new place, you don't have the same options. You've got to reassess what really matters with your fitness. And that was just this constant process. So now I'm just so good at like, I don't put a lot of pressure on myself. As long as I move, I'm happy. As long as my 
body feels good, I'm happy. And I love, I love what you do so much, David, because it's, it's rare that you find a younger guy who really understands what really matters with fitness. Most dudes start training like idiots for the first like 10 years of their life, myself included, by the way, beat the living crap out of themselves and then pay for it later in life. You know, nobody when they're 40 years old regrets that they did too much mobility work and stretching work and soft tissue work before they were 40. Like that just doesn't exist. I feel like every guy as they start to get a little bit older wishes that they trained smarter when they were young and you have the awareness to know that early on i wish i had met you sooner because <laughs> <laughs> i'm paying for not meeting you sooner and being an idiot for the first 10 years of my training life uh now when i'm only 34 years old right like i still got lots of time left i'm not even old but uh but i you know some days i wake up and my body feels like i'm old because of the dumb stuff i did when i was 20. Yeah, I'm definitely grateful for a lot of those experiences. Like I started working out when I was 16 and I really went, you know, 100% and had a few injuries and that really opened up my eyes to slow down. So that's where it introduced me to yoga. And then just from there, learning about yoga, learning about movement and just trying to really just like find that balance between making the body look good, but also moving well. Because a lot of people just go to that one end of the spectrum. They're just so focused on the looks, but they don't focus so much on the movement quality. And I find that's such a big key as people are sitting more than ever. And even in five years from now, people will be sitting even more. Hopefully yeah. not though, but we're, I'm Hopefully sure. Not, but like if you get injured, you're going to be in way worse shape and look way worse. <laughs> so, uh, you know, long-term, even if it's a superficial thing, long-term superficial fitness benefits from keeping healthy all the while. And and also priorities change. I mean, you're not at this point yet, you know, whether, whether you want to or not, I don't know. We haven't spoken to you, but I mean, when I became a father, everything changed. The, that the fact that I'm that dude at the park who tosses his son up and down and all of the other parents are saying things under their breath or even to me like, oh, I wish I could do that. Or, you know, oh, that looks like so much fun. And then all of their kids are running to me because we're having so much fun. And their parents are too out of shape or too much in pain to play with their kids that hurt at the park. Like, that's the priority now. You know, obviously superficial. Like, as a fitness professional, I feel a lot of pressure to look a certain way, for sure. But as, as, as a father, like, I want to be there for my family, man. I want to run around with my kids. Like, I want to beat my kid at sports until he can legitimately beat me. You know? <laughs> like, I'm not going to let him win. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a good goal for sure. And I think a lot of people, too, is just understanding that they don't need to do a million intricate things to start moving better. It can be as simple as just doing, you know, one stretch every hour, one stretch before bed. The one when you wake up, and I always tell my clients, like, I want you to get consistent doing, you know, a short mobility routine rather than giving you half an hour every day. You know, do this for two weeks and add a second exercise, and eventually you'll have a plan, but it doesn't always need to be planned out. It can just be simple as just getting the body moving. Just know, just know what your body does. Let me, let me tell you, I know you don't know this about me, Dave, but let me, let me tell you a story that backs that up because I agree 100%. I was diagnosed... Uh, five, six months ago with degenerative disc disease. 
And it's from a really dumb injury that I never took care of properly like 10 years ago. And, and for anybody who knows anything about degenerative disc disease, long story short, ain't nothing you can do about it. Like, like you can't grow back your discs, but you should be able to be relatively asymptomatic as long as you maintain your body. And so, and, and like 34 is pretty young to have this kind of thing. So, so anyway, so I was diagnosed with it. I mean, it sucks. Um, obviously I was in a lot of pain, which is what led me to get x-rays and, and see professionals. And long story short, there is a, it takes me like five minutes of just glute activation work, little bit of mobility work. I mean, in and around the hips, in and around the hip flexors, the glutes, hamstrings, and, um, and then transverse abdominals. And like, if I do that, I feel good. And if I miss that, for example, I missed that for a couple of days last week, I felt like hell. That's all it takes. Like five minutes of maintenance is all it takes. And, uh, and I'm going to keep, you know, trying to get stronger and stuff like that. But, but that just backs up your story. It really doesn't take much. It takes somebody who knows what they're doing, i.e. you, to speak to people and just say, okay, like, here's the, here's, here's the little stuff. Here's, here's the few quick things that you can do every day. And look at this as your bare minimum. Doesn't mean you can't do more, but don't feel pressure like you have to if the day is really busy. Yeah, you don't need to set your expectations so high. If you just allow yourself to be successful, something simple as your your glute activation, then it can really work wonders. Yeah, man, I'm a testament to that. I buy it. I wouldn't have bought it ten years ago when all I cared was biceps. You know, I'd be like, why would you stretch? That's like time you could do another set of bicep curls. Like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i remember the point where i was in so much pain like i had to stretch for 30 minutes after sitting at my desk studying to literally work out my shoulder was so i had to do like 30 minutes of mobility and now that i've gotten consistent with it over the long term like i can you know warm up in five to ten minutes now yeah. whereas i don't need to i'm not trying to just get blood flow to areas to get rid of the pain where it's now how can i you know keep my body moving well long term and I think it is like something big because I noticed too with a lot of my new clients like I'll show them one exercise for shoulder mobility that I feel after doing their assessment is right for them then all of a sudden they'll be like wow I feel amazing I did two reps yeah isn't that amazing it's just it's just the littlest thing it's the littlest bit of movement and then and and just keeping up with it and keeping up with it. And I mean, even like the desk, like the office, you know, I've got one of those sit-stand desks. It's electric, so it stands up. I have obviously a good chair. I'm sitting in my chair now. But I also have one of the, the I don't even know what it's called, but like one of the, the standing mats. And so if I'm standing at my desk, then I've got, you know, one of these mats to stand on. And the same thing in our kitchen at home, we have the same mat. So what do you spend a lot of time standing in the kitchen on like a hard floor that could, that could do you, that could get us in a little bit of pain? We just have, I mean, this is all preventative. It costs like 20 bucks for one of these mats. We just have it in the kitchen. We have it by the sink. So if we're doing dishes and stuff like that, we stand on it. Um, you know, little things like that have made such a big difference for us. Yeah, super easy solution too is just even using a yoga block or stack of books or a stool because you can offset so much of your weight standing that can take pressure off of your spine and then you can just alternate their feet. Whereas I find a lot of people don't, respect the learning curve of going from sitting all day to standing all day because you really have to you know find what works for you because you can't just jump from one to the other no and i don't stand all day i i don't think that i could stand all day i know people who do i know people who 
will write for hours at a time on a treadmill desk and they'll be walking slowly. I can't do that. I need to move around quite a bit and change my position. So I like this desk because I can, I can kneel, I can sit, I can stand, and I, I'll move throughout the day. I mean, and I'll, I'll even move chairs and stuff like that. I also find, I, I don't know if this is like a real thing or not, um, a podiatrist told me this, but, uh, but I started to do it and made a big difference. I'm, I'm kind of short, like I'm five foot four. Most chairs are actually too tall for me. So the chair that I have in my office, I can move down, so it's fine. But most chairs are too tall for me, which means that in order for my feet to touch the ground, I'm kind of on my toes. Or my feet aren't quite on the ground, so I kind of fold them behind me. Bringing just a box in to put underneath my feet so that I could have my feet flat on the ground made a heck of a difference too. And, and I, don't know, I don't know if that helps people out there, but I find even if like at the dinner table, like at home, the chairs that we buy, this just seems like they're always a little bit too tall for me. No, I, I'm definitely, I definitely can resonate with you on that one. I'm also, I think we're the same height, but I noticed too, like, if I'm not sitting in my core chair, then like, even right now, I'm in the kitchen, and my feet are, aren't on the ground. And what happens is, it can kind of change the position of your hips, and you're less grounded. So it's, it's going to affect, you know, your body overall. Right. Yeah, no, man, I feel that. I feel that. And I always, I always find that I, uh, I will turn over the same way, like I'll cross my legs over the same way. And over time, I mean, that stuff's got to add up. It's, I mean, from back in the day playing ice hockey, like I used to teach ice hockey a lot. So we'd always, anybody who's ever played knows that in any practice, you always skate the same direction around the ice. Mm -hmm. And now my hip is locked up on that side. (laughs) And so now when I sit, I always cross my legs over favoring that hip because it's just more comfortable. It's just natural. So unless I think about it, Then that over time start it's like all of these stupid little things from our background start to pop up, and who knows if who knows if that's actually the reason for it. But uh, but it's I mean it's just important to I guess keep in mind all of this little stuff going on with our bodies, especially if we're sitting up here. Yeah, and the big thing too is you have a lot of body awareness of those kind of imbalances, so that it's going to empower you to take action and know what you could work towards improving the rotation of your right hip versus the left hip and just being, you know, intuitive and thinking how that feels. Because a lot of people I find when I first start working with them or they're just asking me for advice, there's a big disconnect between, you know, their body and, and actually ask themselves, you know, am I sore from this workout? Did I go hard enough? How do I feel my body? And I find a lot of beginners have that disconnect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I'm, I'm fortunate. And, and the cool thing is like, if you are doing that type of work often, even in small amounts, it's incredible how quickly your body and your brain cue into it. Like even like glute activation work, do it for a week or two consistently. And you're like, holy crap, just one day you're just like, oh man, like my body kind of gets this now. It's, it, it really is uncanny. It really is pretty amazing how quickly it kicks in. Yeah, and it's the simple things. As simple as just working on your ankle mobility and your hamstring flexibility can make walking such an innate activity feel so much easier. Like, that's probably the most basic example I can think of. But when I do ankle mobility and I stretch my hamstrings, I'll go for a walk and I'll feel like I'm flying. Yeah, isn't that weird? Isn't that crazy? It's, it's, I just came back from a jog and, and I mean, I used to just go out and basically jog slower as my warm up and then go. And now I just do like not even five minutes, like outside of my office. Like, I look like a fool. We're in like an industrial complex and I'm sitting there in like shorts and I'm doing a little bit of a bit of mobility work, like out the back door. <laughs> you know, before I go off my job, but it makes a, it makes a world of difference. 
Um, and like you, yeah, I feel like I feel lighter on my feet almost. Um, I feel like I'm almost bouncing if I, if I do it. No, you got to own it when you stretch anywhere. I'm really about that stretch anywhere mindset. Just kind of go for it and don't worry what anyone thinks. Oh, I don't care what anybody thinks. I, I used to. Um, I definitely used to, man. I don't care what anybody thinks. What what matters to me is how you feel, right? There, how I feel and that I'm there for the people who really matter and um, keeping my body healthy, moving every day somehow is the best way that I know how to do that. Yeah, and I think another big thing too, I talked with this on, with Lee Boyce on the previous podcast. He was saying, you know, you can't train how you trained before you got injured because, you know, your body has different demands now. You have to really respect that and also consider that, you know, you can't train how you were, you know, when you were 25, when you're 30, 35 because, you know, your body has different stress levels. You also have the family and you have to consider all those aspects if you want fitness to revolve around your lifestyle instead of really just trying to make it fit you just make it integrated because a lot of people just try to make fitness their whole life when as the life changes and as you grow as a person there's going to be other things pulling your attention for sure i mean lee's a lee i like lee a lot he's a very interesting case because he was such a high performer and then his injury was so catastrophic and so immediate yeah i mean to tear both achilles was it achilles patella tendon it was patella tendon, to tear both patella tendons at the same time. Um, I think he was going up to dunk a basketball or something like that. It was, uh, it's, it was like catastrophic, right? Um, but he got back to it. You know, he smoked, he trained himself back to it. But I, I, I guess I think about this a lot because we're actually coming out. I, I haven't told you this, but we're actually coming out with a. If you work at a desk job and want to move pain-free, look and feel your best, let's get the conversation started to see if you could be a good fit for David's coaching program. Connect with us through all the social platforms and see the show notes below. With a fitness training service, um, you know, we, we primarily help people with their business for the last number of years, and we're coming out with a fitness training service that specializes in helping personal trainers with their fitness. And... The reason why we did that is because we noticed after speaking to so many personal trainers that a lot of them really struggle with their own fitness. And if you were to look at them in comparison to the general population, yeah, they're they're in better shape. Like walk down the street, they're probably in the best shape, but they compare themselves of course to other personal trainers and and high performers. And so to them, if they've fallen off a little bit, you know, they don't know if their life changed. And I think to your point, where life's change, priorities change, it can be very difficult because from, from my experience, from a lot of people's experience that we've spoken to, our core identities are so wrapped up in what we used to be able to do. When I started exercising, when I started lifting weights, I was a young guy with virtually unlimited time. I had, I mean, there's like basically no way that I could enter myself like 16, 17, 18, 19 years old. I had testosterone flooding my body, which means that I could build muscle way easier than I can now. My recovery from working out was like Wolverine-esque. And that became so wrapped up in my core identity that now when I train, if I can't train the same way, or if I can't revisit back to those types of workouts and those types of training regimes, I almost feel like I'm not doing enough. And that was really hard for me to get over because my, it, because it was so wrapped up in my identity of what I used to do. And, and I think that's just important to know 
if if you can resonate with that in any way that what you used to do is cool but at each stage of 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 our life you need to reestablish baseline and move forward from there and that means what are your goals now what are you starting to now how do you how do you best get there like it's cool what you used to do bro but that may not align with where you want to be but it can be really hard i mean that's the power of coaching right the coach sees you objectively for how you are today and where you want to go and and is an outsider and doesn't is isn't in your head getting confused by all of that little needless stuff that is kind of just in there from all of those years of self-conscious behaviors of of identifying a certain way and uh and so so we we found this this is this is not uncommon in fact it's very common for personal trainers too you know it's not just it's it's everybody it's definitely everybody like i'm really glad you brought that up because even me like before my injuries like I, I the first few months afterwards i'm like i was so strong what happened to me i can barely you know move these weights anymore and even on the weekend like i was looking at a video for when i could do a, like three reps of a muscle up like in 2017 because i got a memory on facebook i was like I can't even do that anymore. But right. instead of, but now that I've had that experience once, I'm like, I'm not gonna let that stop me and feel bad about myself. But I'm gonna change my mindset and use that as inspiration. You know, I'm still capable of this if I take the appropriate steps. So like, there's definitely yeah. good ways to look at it. But I found too, though, like I've, I'm working with, a, I'm doing the online training full time now. But I've also one of the biggest investments in my business was hiring someone to train me to keep me accountable so I can stay in shape. And I've noticed like learning from him he uses the same platform he also uses trainer eyes shout outs to carlito he really helps me improve my business because i see how he keeps me accountable i see he how he you know he makes his workouts and it gives me ideas of things that i'm not seeing yeah. clearly and i find it's like like anyone can have a trainer like i'm a trainer i've been working with him since january it's definitely helped in both my fitness and integrating into more of my lifestyle and figuring out, you know, you get ideas for your own business too. 100%. I mean, that's why we're launching this new service is, is exactly that, is trainers can benefit from having their own trainer, having their own coach, just as much, if not more than anybody else. And, uh, and, and what you just said is, is, I mean, almost exactly why. I mean, everybody is coaches. Everybody benefits from coaches. Tiger Woods had four coaches, right? They're not better golfers than Tiger. Serena Williams has a tennis coach. She's had a tennis coach for like eight, nine years. The tennis coach is not a better tennis player than Serena. May not even know more about tennis than Serena. I mean, I don't know, like, like maybe Tiger's swing coaches know more technically about golf than Tiger. They're just not naturally gifted or whatever. But regardless, they're certainly not better at that thing than him yet. If, so if the top performer in the world can benefit from having multiple coaches than everybody can. And a lot of it is different people bring different ideas to the table. Having somebody who calls you out on your crap, having somebody who celebrates with you, having somebody who sees you objectively and from where you are and helps you move forward, everybody benefits from that. I mean, I have multiple trainers throughout the years. I everywhere I go, one of my favorite things to do when we travel is to hire personal trainers locally, wherever we are. So, you know, Costa Rica, I had like a jungle fit gym 
basically it was the tack fit system, which, which is a cool system, but basically worked out in the jungle with somebody in like his backyard and like this little like jungle gym thing that he set up in, um, in Greece, the only trainer in the little town that we lived on, on the Island of Crete was a endurance cyclist. So it was endurance training. And then right from Greece, we moved to Montenegro in the Balkans and in Montenegro, in Montenegro, the trainer in town that I worked with was an old Soviet block barbell trainer, you know, like five by five type training. And so think about, think about how much the training, sorry, and I was in Mexico before. And so, so I went Mexico from Mexico training with a, a woman who was a boxer. So from that type of training straight to Greece, straight to, to Madrid, where we spent a couple of weeks where we worked out in the parks in Madrid and we had Timbo Park, which is like those outdoor park workouts straight to Greece, where I worked out with an endurance cyclist trainer, straight to Montenegro, where I worked with like a five by five Soviet barbell trainer. That's super cool. I mean, it's just, it's like, what can your body do, man? And each one was for two or three months, you know? I didn't get, it, it wasn't like, it, and the amount that I learned from that about myself, about what my body feels good to, my body doesn't feel good doing, the amount I learned from all of those coaches. And, uh, you know, it's that old Napoleon Hill phrase, from every man I can learn something. And it's, it's true, from every trainer I can learn something. And, and who knows what that is? Uh, but, but I think experience is the best teacher. And, and this is coming from somebody who's written multiple books. Like, I wrote the only textbook on online training. And I'm still the person saying, you can learn more by experiencing online training than by reading a textbook. And you should actually do both. No, I'm, that's really cool that you're offering that service. It's definitely going to help a lot of people because, too, like, there's, you, we spend a lot of time, you know, as trainers, we're very giving. We give, we give, but we forget to to pull back that energy in and really just focus on ourselves. Like, mm -hmm. it can be a, a hard balance. And I've had, this is my third online trainer, and it took me three to find one who really helped me fit the workouts into my busy schedule and into my lifestyle. Like I was, you know, okay on my own, but why not be better? Right? Well, that's it. You can always, you can always get better. I mean, this is what the most successful people in any field always strive to get better. It doesn't matter how good you are. You're always striving to get better. Right. Kevin Hart is, is always somebody fun to listen to. And he had like this Netflix thing where they basically like videoed his life and it, uh, it had his trainer, on there and I, I don't remember what his name is but you know kevin hart's personal trainer and kevin hart you know obviously is is the actor like like one of the biggest actors comedians in the world but he also has always been into his fitness and organized races and runs and he's just been a huge proponent of, of general fitness for everybody and one of the things that his trainer said is kevin understands that he's at the top and everybody's trying to get at him and everybody's trying to knock him down and he can't glide just because he's at the top. He has to work harder because he's at the top to keep getting better in every way. And that's how I, I will always remember that. And I'm paraphrasing it, but I always remember that scene simply because it's such a testament to never settling. doesn't matter how good you are. I mean, this is somebody who has it all. Right. And the reason that he has it all, the reason that he he is the type of person to have it all 
is because he has that mentality that he's never settling, that he's always getting better. And, and even now that he is at the top, that fire has only been, is only greater. I mean, it's not, it's not extinguished at all. I still couldn't imagine living his life. It seems exhausting, but <laughs> it's another, it's another whole other story put together, right? Yeah, and it, it's true, and I feel like especially now with with the the current state of everything in the world and gyms still being closed, like it's allowed me to become an even better trainer because I've become more creative. I've been filming, you know, mm-hmm. videos in my home gym of stuff people can do instead of relying on to go to my studio to film. It's been allowing me to get more creative with the bodyweight workouts, and now a lot of my clients are they're like really happy training at home because they have more time to do the other important things in their life. Cause say the gym's far from your house and you have to go to work in ADM. A lot of them are buying back a lot of their time by finding more creative ways to stay in shape at home. And I feel like it's, I don't know what you expect with the industry, but I feel like online trading is just going to keep going up and up. And I feel like some people might just stick to training at home. I think that a lot of, well, you know, I think a lot about the industry and the state of the industry and try to try to think about the future of the industry. I've been saying for a long time, you've probably even seen me speak about it, some of the live stuff that you've been at. I, I've been saying for a long time that there are different types of consumers in the fitness industry. And the fitness industry is has largely not done a good enough job, not because of a lack of information, not because of a lack of know-how of how to get people results, but because of a lack of delivery, of deliverabilities, of delivery methods. And it's it's as simple as different people are different. Different people need different things. And what was happening before, a a lot of people don't realize just how young the fitness industry is. It's only 30 or 40 years old, depending on what you use as like the official start, but like, like the 80s, like maybe the 70s it started. It's a very young industry. It's in its awkward adolescent phase right now, which is why you see so much dumb stuff happening because nobody's quite figured out themselves. Everybody's those awkward, like gangly teenagers, if, if, you, if you consider that metaphor. And the idea is we were forcing all of anybody who wanted to exercise into a few very specific constraints before. We were forcing people into a gym. We were forcing people into a Zumba class. We were forcing people into curves. We were forcing people into like a, like a orange theory or, or a workout DVD at home or whatever it is. And all of them are good. None of them are bad. They're all good. They're all positives. They're all good for a certain type of person. The issue was that there are other types of people that none of those things are good for. The issue that is that because of marketing, because of the way that consumerism works, because of the way that corporate America works, all of them need to shout louder and louder and louder to try to get more market share and don't do a good enough job and they aren't responsible enough to send people away that aren't right for them. So they hold on to people as long as they can and try to lock them into contracts and stuff like that. These people who were never right for that type of service in the first place now feel like they're a failure themselves. And as a result, their own self-confidence, their own self-worth, their own belief in themselves, their self-efficacy is so low 
that it takes them a long time to follow that that's those stages of change the Prochaska stages of change again to get to the point where there's action because they've lost that belief in themselves because they did something they probably shouldn't have been doing for themselves in the first place but they were convinced that it was the right thing and so what i think that COVID has done to a large extent is it's made it okay for people to figure out what's right for them and it no longer feels weird to exercise wherever you have space. You don't need to go to a little box and be a hamster on a wheel in a room in order to go for a run. It's okay to be on your front yard or your garage and do lunges. Heck yeah. It's okay to skip in the park. It's okay to hang out like I had a, a Joe Messina, who we both know, you know, one of our, one of our online trainer Academy students organized, just like had some friends go to a park and run up and down hills and hang out. And everybody went there with their families. I went with my son who's three. So like we went up the hill and my wife and I stayed at the bottom and, 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 you know, one of us stayed with him and the other one went up the hill and then we alternated and, and some people sprinted, other people jogged, other people walked, like everybody did their own level. Like that's okay for friends to get together like that now. And, and that's going to continue. There are certainly people who are going to go back to the gym. You know, I'm looking forward to going back to the gym. But there's going to be a lot more people that are going to be exercising as a whole doing something because now it's okay to do something anywhere and figure out what that thing is for you. And, and I think that's a really positive thing to come out of it. I think, I think gyms financially are going to be hit significantly, particularly big box gyms, because big box gyms revenue models are largely determined on having a ton of members who don't show up, but pay their fees. And all of those members have now canceled and none of them are coming back because, or they, oh, they'll come back, but they'll come back slowly and they might actually show up. <laughs> and like, like if you understand the big box gym model, like basically if more, most of them, the way that it works, if more than 5% of their members actually show up more than once a week, like the gym is screwed. Like they can't, they don't, their fire restrictions will, won't allow for it. And that's, that's their entire business, man. And so those places are going to be hurt um, for sure. And a lot of them are already going bankrupt, but that's not a bad thing, man. They, I think, I think they were doing a lot of good, but I think they can, they can do even more good by building much stronger businesses. And I think the business, I think the fitness industry business dictated fitness for far too long. And I think that forced a lot of constraints that had a lot of negative repercussions. And what's happening now is fitness is starting to dictate business which of course is moving a lot more people to online and hybrid type training, but also it's just forcing a lot more people to figure out what works for them. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I think that's the big thing there too, because there is a lot of noise in the fitness industry, especially as getting started. Like there's, it's hard to just pick the simple things to do because there's so much, like you said, there's like, should I do this? Should I train at the gym? Should I run? Should I cycle? Should I do CrossFit? One is, when now this is giving people the opportunity to, like you said, to figure out what works for them. And I find that too, is people just kind of pigeonhole themselves and they go into, you know, just the big three lifts, the squat, the bench and the deadlift. And they, they, they're afraid to try something new. They're afraid to cry cross training, mm -hmm. which I feel like it's really great. You had that experience because like, 
it's not that the exercise you do too much that injure you. It's, you know, the movement patterns that you're avoiding can predispose you to injury. So I feel like people are really learning about their bodies at this time. And I think it's yeah. really good. I love the, I love the term. I think it was Ida Portal years ago that I heard this from. If it wasn't, I, I apologize for using his name, but, uh, but he said, one must become tolerant to his, to his intolerances. It's big. It doesn't, you, you, you are going to roll over on your ankle. That is going to happen. For most people, it should never be a big deal because your ankle should be hardy enough to withstand you rolling over on it. You must become tolerant to an intolerance. You're going to get injured. You're going to get beat up. If you, if you want to live any kind of an active life and your training should prepare you for that should make it. So you, you feel fine. Like you can jump up on rocks. You can go on hikes. You can throw your kid up in the air. I mean, that's what life is about. Like get dirty, get messy, get scraped up, man. That's what it's about. Yeah. You just got a problem. Just got to have fun at the end of the, the, the day. Right? Yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's great, man. That's, that's why, you know, that's why I train now. Uh, that's what it's all about. Now, coming back to online training, like I've, like when I first started, I was in that hybrid model, like you mentioned, but even now that I'm fully hundred percent invested into like strictly online and mm -hmm. teaching workshops, like I do online training now, we do workshops over zoom in office spaces on ergonomics and stuff. I find that like my clients are getting like even better results than when I first started as a trainer, just because of the systems are more dial in, like the delivery is more automated and I'm able to just really find, cause I know you, you recommend, you know, people are obviously in the gym first, but I'm finding too, like the clients are getting better results a lot faster just because we have more communication and accountability. Whereas mm -hmm. a lot of times when you just see, if you were to just see me in person or, it, it'd be hard to keep you accountable in between because a lot of those clients I at least I was training in the gym weren't so interested in the, in the accountability they just wanted workouts sure what the pattern that you're seeing is is a very common pattern and what's interesting is that we, we've been teaching people how to add online training to their business since 2013 and and we've helped over 30,000 people now and I think it's up to 87 88 countries basically anywhere people speak English uh, we've, you know, we've worked with people. And what's interesting is that we started seeing this pattern back in 2013 and we didn't quite believe it. This didn't quite make sense to us. So, yeah, people are reporting that their clients by and large are getting significantly better results with online training than they are in person. And in the last couple of years, there's actually been research that's come out on this. And it's, and the research has backed up what we've been seeing. And the research shows that distanced workouts, can't remember what the scientific term was, but distanced workouts get people by and large in actual research studies, better results for the most part, not everybody, right? But, but for the most part, better results. And they haven't yet been able to explain why, but I have two hypotheses based off of everything that we've seen. One is automation technology doesn't replace humans 
automation and technology allows humans to show up in greater capacities where humans need to be and eliminates humans where humans should not need to be. So for things like check-ins, for things like working with people on their schedules to fit in with their lives, it allows you to be a much better coach. And really, I mean, Silicon Valley will never replace personal trainers because what a personal trainer does, a great personal trainer does, is a personal trainer is a great coach. You can't replace great coaching. You can't replace great human connection. Somebody to show up and say, I got your back when you need it. Somebody to ask you the right questions. Somebody to uh, listen to you and really listen to you. You can't replace that. And automation allows a human to show up in greater capacities in those spaces. The second is, and this one is, is a little bit, takes a little bit more to kind of understand. I think the first, most people listening can kind of get it. The second comes down to self-efficacy. Self-efficacy is the belief that one can achieve. And it's pretty well established in, in psychology and psychology of adherence and, 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 and behavior change that self-efficacy is one of the major changes. If you believe that you can achieve, that you will achieve, you'll do the thing and you'll get good results at the thing, regardless of what the thing is and whether or not it actually is the right thing for you or not. If you believe it is the right thing for you, you'll adhere better to it and get better results. Self-efficacy is very, very important. Think about how much self-efficacy is missing in most conventional gym environments. You walk into a gym and you, you've worked for a long time to work through all your mental blocks and you finally say, I'm going to join a gym. I'm going to get a personal trainer. You get matched with the person that, that gym says is right for you because they just happen to be around. They happen to be the new trainer. You know, there's, a, there, there's protocols in most big gyms where every new trainer who starts gets placed with a certain number of clients. And then basically, so, so if you just walk in asking for a trainer, you're basically going to be given to the new person who doesn't know what they're doing as a test for them. There was very little belief as a client that that is the perfect person for you. And so the self-efficacy is low on your end. So adherence and failure and drop off is very, very low. Online is very different. Because online, you can follow people like desktop therapy on Instagram for as long as you want and figure out this person, David London, is the perfect person for me because of these messages. Whether you are or not is actually pretty irrelevant. Hiring a personal trainer, especially an online trainer, is almost never an actual merit-based decision. But that's fine because it doesn't have to be. What matters, because it's almost impossible for the majority of consumers to actually make a merit-based decision based off of who the right trainer is. There's just too many variables. It's too hard. It's, it's kind of a mastery profession. Like there's probably a lot of people who can get you the results that you want. What matters is that you do it. And if you're going to do it, you need to believe that the person who's helping you is the right person for you. Online, you can spend as much time as you need and choose the person who you believe is right for you anywhere. As a result, self-efficacy goes up. As a result, adherence goes up. As a result, results go up. And this is what we've seen for years. And it's, it's super, super powerful. Um, and, it's, and it's largely why I've been such a big proponent of online training for so long. I mean, I think it's a better business model for trainers and for gyms, for sure, to have it. Not necessarily to only do it, but to have it. But I also think it's better for the majority of exercisers. We've seen that unequivocally. 
No, it's true. You have to find someone who's the right fit for you because they have to get your type because there's different types of clients and there's different types of trainers. You have yeah. to have, you know, the right fit for it to really work well. And with in person, I know, too, the gym would just 100 percent. They just give you clients and you just train them because, you know, they gave you clients and you don't want to just, you know, say, sorry, I can't help you. you. You obviously do your best. But with online, you can really get like some of my clients are really good friends of mine now and I'm still coaching them. We've just developed that personal relationship and i find it's really allowed me to really put the personal back in personal training because you know i can just send them memes sometimes to keep them accountable i can just you know tag them on posts on instagram right. you know when you can get to know them over the coaching calls so i find it's really allowed you to reestablish what personal training really is by working with people online yeah man and and to your point doesn't take much doesn't take much you know tag him in a meme like that's coaching Right, <laughs> like, <it works. laughs> like, like that is coaching. It's 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 knowing what your people need when they need it before they know that they need it. That's what a great coach does. Um, yeah, bro, it's uh, you got it. I actually have a question for you from one of my current clients who's thinking of becoming an online trainer. He just got your books. Shout out to JJ JJ Seven Athletics. He's saying, "What are the pros and cons of being a personal trainer?" He's thinking of switching careers. What are the pros and cons of, of what? Being a personal trainer? A personal trainer or online trainer, yeah. I mean, you get to do what you love. You get to do what you're passionate about. You get to help people work on the most important thing in their lives, which is their fitness. And if, if there's one thing I've noticed from, you know, being in the gym, I've been in the gym for 17, 18 years, more or less consistently at this point. I mean, I, you know, I've had little times off, of course, but if there's one thing that I've noticed, it's that fitness comes first. Fitness comes before everything. If you make your fitness your primary priority, the rest of the body and the mind and the business have a habit of catching up. And it really is a special thing. This is, this is my secret to traveling and living abroad and growing a business. It's not efficiency hacks. It's not software apps. It's nothing. It's everywhere that we go, the first day, Literally, the first day we get there, my wife and I scope out the place and we map out the first thing we put on our calendar is when are we both going to be doing our workout each day and where? And then we build the rest of our schedule around that. That's why you become a personal trainer, because you will find out that if you can help people fit fitness into their life in a sustainable way, their lives get better, their businesses get better. It, and it's, it's an incredible thing to watch, to witness that growth that you have play a part of. That's why you do it. And getting paid is secondary. But it's pretty sweet too. It's, def <laughs> it's definitely, it's definitely life-changing. I find there's, there's not really many cons aside from you make your own schedule and it's great. You just need to keep yourself disciplined. I think that's a big thing too. Like the better you can discipline yourself with your own fitness, the better you can you know, discipline yourself with your business and other areas of your life. And I really like how you mentioned like the mind and the body too because it really is like your health and fitness do come first. Everything follows. Everything follows. If I'm, you know, when, when I, when I, set my schedule like like every single day there's a block to do something active and to be honest i don't even care what i do i could care less i'll go for a jog i'll run around in the park do some push-ups like for the most part 
as long as I'm active every day, that day's a good day. And, and that sounds funky almost to say it, but life experience has showed me that everything gets better. My brain works better. My business works better. I'm happier. People like being around me more. Obviously my love life is better. Like everything's better. So what are some strategies you have for deskbound professionals who want to, you know, really disconnect at the end of the day? Because I know you're really good at that, like taking your work away from your personal life and, you know, limiting your social media usage. Like what are some strategies you have for people who, you know, like on the computer all day and they just really need to disconnect? Read books. (laughs) (laughs) Print stuff out. Read interesting things. I... I think there is too much pressure. I can't speak for other people. I feel a tremendous amount of pressure to only read and consume materials that I feel like will have a direct correlation to improvements in my business or life. And I try to fight that pressure as much as possible. I subscribe to interesting magazines that have nothing to do with what I do for a living, that have nothing to do with life, that tell stories of other parts of the world, of other people in the world, of other technologies that I would never find any other way. Our our information is so curated these days for us without us even knowing it, that you've got to go pretty far out of your way to, to consume interesting things, different things, different opinions, different stories. And so, the best way to get away from it is to find things that are just really, really interesting for you. And, and this takes some time and it's hard and just be okay with, with, I'll call it still investing time, consuming that. Read great fiction. Read great science fiction. Read stories about different cultures on the other side of the world that you didn't even know that their country existed. For no other reason than it helps you disconnect a little bit from your world. It helps you see your world a little bit different way. You will be surprised at how many connections you can then make. You think about like what makes you valuable as a human being these days. It's not information because information is easy to come by. What makes you valuable is being able to combine information and skills in a way that nobody else can. And the best way to do that is to collect wide varieties of information and try to see connections between them. And so I try to do that as much as possible and then print it and get the heck away from your computer. So for example, every time I, you know, I have, like I said, I have magazines and stuff that come to my house, but I, uh, I have, I use Evernote. Um, and I set it to clip articles. So, so with Evernote, basically you have the browser extension on it and you click a button in the browser extension and it allows you, it pulls up a simplified article. So basically rips away all of the other junk on the internet and just brings you like the simple text. And it saves it to a folder that I, that's called to read from the net. And then once a week, I have a reading block in my schedule and Bobby, who's my assistant, will print everything from that folder for me and hand it to me before my reading block. And I'll just go into like a quiet room and read it and highlight it and stuff like that. But anything that I come across over the course of a week or that somebody tells me to read, I put into that folder 
and then it's printed out for me, right, away from the computer. Uh, I mean, that's, who knows what, like, I have no clue what I'll benefit from, if I'll benefit from reading any of that stuff. But I think if you want to be an interesting person these days, you need to be an interested person. And, and I think in order to do that, you've got to really consume a wide variety of materials. And unfortunately, because of a whole bunch of reasons that go beyond this conversation, the, the filter bubble that we're all basically in our own filter bubbles, this, 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 this almost funnel that we're all in when we go online, force feeds us stuff that we already know, that we already believe, that we already accept as true, and doesn't ever show us anything else. And unfortunately, we've got to go pretty far over where to find that these days. And I think it's, I think it's very valuable to do so. Yeah, it's interesting. I've been, I've been rereading your books, the, the habits of successful online trainers. And I've noticed too, just from reading those, you know, in the morning before I do my client work, that my business has grown in the last month more than ever. I'm just like, so you really want you see something differently. Like it, it was one of the habits in the book and one of the marketing breakthroughs. And I'm just like, wow, like I learned something I can take in and I'm seeing it differently. And I feel like we tend to, I believe it was the one about, um, you know, charging your clients biweekly versus monthly. I find that really helped me kind of establish better pricing packages too. And also like how you came out with your textbook, like people thought you were crazy. And I think that really inspired me. Like, you know, let's keep pushing my message. You know, maybe mm -hmm. not everyone is adopting it, moving better, but maybe this is my time to really just explain it better. So it's really good stuff. Cool, man. So for, tho for those of you who would like a copy of John's online training book for free, I'm going to post it in the show notes below and you can let everyone else know where they can connect with you. Yeah. If you're interested in online training at all, we have our own podcast. It's called the online trainer show. So you can look online trainer show wherever you find podcasts, Apple podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, uh, or you just go online trainer.com slash podcast. If you're interested in the online trainer Academy and the certification online trainer.com slash Academy. And, uh, and yeah, Dave's got, Dave's got a, a free book for you too that he'll link. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on, John. It was a pleasure to have you on. Hopefully we can uh, connect in person once this is all over. Sounds good, buddy. Thanks so much. Awesome. Take care. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Desk Bound Therapy Podcast. Take a second, leave me a five-star comment and a review on Apple Podcasts. I'd love to know your thoughts about the show, what you like best, and who you'd like me to have on. 